Buckeyes all the time. This is your weekly inside look at the Scarlet and Gray. Brought to you by Atlas Butler Plumbing Services. This is the 11 Warriors Radio Hour. Welcome to the 11 Warriors Radio Hour. Jason Priestess, special guest Dan Hope. Filling in tonight for Chris Lauderat. Chris is, uh, went to see a jam band play some music. You know, that's his, it's, it's his thing. And Bodie, uh, the, on the decks tonight, uh, as always, a little, little less chipper than he normally is because the, the domers of, you know, doing their domer thing. But, uh, look at our wounds over here. Told us some good stories. You went to the game in Louisville, had a good time, right? Oh, yeah. Great time. It was fantastic from the, from the jump there. <laughs> I, uh, I've never, you know, I've been to probably about a couple dozen games at Notre Dame. And of course, when you're the home fan at the home stadium, mm-hmm. you're, you're probably not going to have too many arguments and whatnot because you're kind of with your people there. But I've been to a handful of road stadiums. I, I was at the shoe last year for the game. I've been to Pittsburgh a couple times. I was at Michigan State uh, back in 06, and then now the Louisville game. And I have never, ever experienced anything like these Louisville fans, man. They were uh, they were a different breed. And look, I'm not, you know, I know people do not like Notre Dame. That's I a pretty Notre that. Dame thing to say. I'm getting ready, you know, <laughs> and, come on. And, but it's like still, like, <laughs> high state fans don't like Notre Dame. Yeah. Pittsburgh fans don't like Notre Dame. Michigan State fans don't like Notre Dame. Yeah. And none of those places were, like, what this was like on Saturday night. I wonder what the uh, restraining order ratio was in the stands. Like, how many people in the stands have an active restraining order? <laughs> yeah, I, I, like, like, what stadiums? Because <laughs> Louisville's got to be up there. Man, I mean, starters is Kentucky. Second of all, Philadelphia's like, got to be. Yeah, that's a good one too. On the list, the, 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 when the Raiders used to be in Oakland, that was probably <laughs> oh, pretty about fifty yeah. percent. I'm guessing. I mean, I can't. One of the things that blows my mind too. We're getting away from stuff, but how is there so much more violence at NFL games in the stands in college? Yeah, they're not. I mean, they're the same sport, the same kind of violence on the field. Maybe one's a little faster and harder, but like. NFL games are like brutal, man. Like you can see dudes getting beat up every Sunday. You see videos. Yeah, it does. It happens a lot. Yeah, women slapping each other. Like, <laughs> like it's it's insane. Like I, don't... I always wonder if it's because like at the end of the day, college, a lot of people are invested because that was like their school, right? Yes. And you're able to step back and say, okay, yeah. it's college kids playing a game. At the end of the day, this is still Ohio State. I went to school here. I love right. it here. Like Notre Dame, Michigan, etc. Where with NFL, there's kind of more of like a, that barrier where it's like. You're not, it's weird. It's like you're attached because it's your team, but you're not as attached to where it's like, I'm not representing the Dallas Cowboys or the Pittsburgh Steelers, where like, if if you're, you know, a Michigan fan swinging at other people, like you're kind of like representing the university a little bit, maybe. I don't know. But these Louisville fans, they didn't care. They did not care one bit. They were ready to fight anybody around them, and they did not care about representing the university whatsoever. Good to know. Good to know. Big show tonight. Got the good, the bad, and the ugly from the Maryland win. Mostly the first two. Mostly the first one, I'm going to say. We're not that, you know, we're not going to hammer the team for a slow start. We'll talk about that, though. Looking ahead to the stretch run of the seasons coming up. And Miami fans are down bad. I mean, Dan, I'm sure you saw that. We'll talk about that later. Uh, Just bizarre. Let's start with the Buckeye game Saturday. Ohio State, of course, won the game over Maryland 37-17. to uh, Bucks trailed for most of the first half. Didn't take the lead until what three to play in quarter three, 
And I put in their Slack at the time. I'm like, imagine if they had like the 2021 defense. This has been like 24 to nothing Maryland right now. Like it could have, you know, I mean, the first touchdown they have was a sweet throw and catch, but like, you know, spent a lot of time in Ohio State's part of the field. And the Buckeyes didn't really have much going early. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was one of those games. I mean, there were absolutely times there, second, third quarter, where I'm thinking, Ohio State might lose this game. I mean, yeah. it, I mean, it, it, it really were because the offense was struggling to get going. You know, Maryland, you know, early on, Maryland's offense was able to get some things going. But, you know, it's like we've seen all year long from this team when they've needed the defense to bow up. It has. And, and Ohio State's defense was able to do that again, uh, keep them in the game until the offense finally was able to get going late in the game. And Ohio State eventually got the cover. Yeah, and I think in the back of a lot of people's minds, too, is there's a little bit of doubt about this team. I'm a pretty big homer, pretty optimistic at all times about the team, but there's still a little bit of doubt. Like, am I being, you know, am I giving them too much because there's no C.J. Stroud slinging it? You know, the defense is there. You know, Proctor got that party started with a pick six. Um, there's some things that are different this year. Uh, but at the end, they covered, man. Scored 17 straight, got the, got the late cover. Ryan Day kicked a field goal, made a lot of people mad. Yeah, I mean, right now it's it's not your typical Ryan Day team, right? I mean, this is Ryan Day's tenure. It's been defined by these really explosive offenses. And so far, we have not seen Ohio State's offense get to that level. I think the offensive line has a lot to do with that. I think the inexperience of Kyle McCord certainly has something to do with that. But the good news is we're seeing the defense play at an elite level. And I buy more into the statistics that we're seeing from this defense than I did at this time last year because I think they've played better teams. Yeah. I mean, Maryland's a good offensive team. I mean, yeah. Notre Dame's had some rough stretches here the last few weeks, but they're still a good team. I mean, Western Kentucky's a good passing team. And so I, I think the improvement we're seeing from the defense is real. And uh, so far, I mean, especially these last two games against Notre Dame and against Maryland, the, the defense has really carried Ohio State to victory. Absolutely. JTT gets his first true sack of the season. Marv got 100 yards again. He went 8 for 163 and a touchdown. Tenth time in school history, third most right now. Uh, Proctor, we discussed earlier, and Harrison named Big Ten Players of the Week. Just a good game all around. Let's talk about what we learned, and, and you touched on it briefly. The defense is legit, man. They held Maryland to 302 yards, 4 yards per snap. That's a team that you know has got a really experienced signal caller. Uh, they've got receivers that you think, you know, okay, this guy's okay. And then a couple years later, he's blown the NFL up. But look at, look at the Bears, right? I mean, and Diggs and some of the guys in the NFL right now. Um, and they, you know, they're, they were averaging 458, 6.8 a snap coming in. Uh, Bucks held him 121 yards in the second half, 2 of 7 on third downs in that second half. Uh, Talia got 196 through the air, about half of what he was getting coming in. Um, for the season, this is a D giving up 10.2 yards per game against decent teams so far. Yeah, I mean, I'll cop to it that I didn't give enough, didn't give Maryland enough credit coming into the game. Just looking at their schedule, they really hadn't played anybody. I'm thinking, eh, I'm not sure how how good Maryland actually is. I think Maryland showed the way they they competed with Ohio State for three quarters. They're they're a pretty good team, and so you know they they gave Ohio State a, a real challenge in this game. But I think again, like you said, for the, for the defense to ultimately be able to control the game and, and take over the game, you know that's just something we hadn't seen from Ohio State the mm-hmm. last few years. But you know Ohio State it was so reliant on having to put up big numbers offensively, and I think we're seeing from this defense right now that. You know, they can control a game. Now, you know, when you, you look forward to the bigger games on the schedule coming up against Penn State and Michigan, those teams have elite defenses too. So you can't be just a defensive team. But I think the good news is you, you feel right now, at least I do, that you feel like 
this defense has a chance to play with anybody and you feel like this defense is going to give them a chance in every game because they're not giving up big plays and and they're really competing out there. Absolutely. You almost wish you could pick like, all right, let me give the defense from this year, the offense from, you know, this year. 2019 kind of had a little bit of both. That's why that team is so special. Just ran into like a really, really good Bama team. Uh, Something else we learned, Kyle McCord, in my opinion, is still growing, man, showing signs. There were times this game, early on especially, taking some early sacks, overthrow or underthrowing some guys, missing, sailing some balls at the sideline. You're like, okay, okay, this is not great, but career high, 320 at the end of the day for this game, 19 of 29. He started two of seven, um, but, you know, finished on a 13 for 16 run for 271, including two touchdowns. Uh, should, you know, two and a half, we're going to give him the one that was called back because he just dialed that one up again, threw another one to Marv. That second 33 pickup on a 37-yard pass to Marv, uh, you look down, he's got 560 passing yards with zero interceptions against, at the time, an unbeaten Notre Dame and unbeaten Maryland. And you can't ask for much more out of a first-year quarterback. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we all want him to be CJ. Who doesn't? But the thing about CJ is those guys don't come around very often. Like, he, McCord can have a very, very good career and not not even sniff where CJ was with actors. I mean, look at what CJ's doing in the NFL right now. He right. just broke the NFL record for the most passes without an interception to start a career. That tells you how special CJ Stroud was. And so to expect Ohio State's next quarterback to be just as good as CJ Stroud, that, that's a high bar to clear. So, yeah, I mean, realistically, Kyle McCord is not CJ Stroud right now. Can he get to that level? We'll see. But, you know, I think the good thing about Kyle that you mentioned is you know the last couple games for him they haven't started out that well but it he doesn't he doesn't panic he doesn't get flustered when things don't go well he he, he keeps at it and he seems to get better and better as the games go and so I think that's a good sign because I think you worry a lot of times of a young quarterback if they get into a hole if they make some early mistakes are things just going to snowball from there and we haven't seen that with Kyle it seems like uh, he just he just gets right back at it the next drive and he gets better as games go and we've seen a decade of that at Iowa basically young quarterbacks getting frustrated and snowballing and it turns out worse uh, Chris uh, pointed this out in five things on 11 Warriors Sunday. Even more impressive, and we'll talk about this in a second, considering the run game. Like, he's doing this without a real big run threat. Yeah. And, and granted, he's got some good targets. But, like, imagine if the run game was clicking, how much better he would be and more efficient in the looks he would get. Yeah, and I mean, certainly that's, you know, I think the big area of it's in focus right now after the Maryland game to only average 1.9 yards per carry in that game. Uh, certainly not what Ohio State is looking for. And so I, mean, I think that's the area right now where you know if you're going to put a big circle around something that Ohio State needs to get better at these next couple of weeks before that Penn State game, you're certainly going to start A1 with a run game. Absolutely. 29 true runs Saturday. If you back out the three sacks and the one weird punt snap that was a run. Uh, 12 went for two or fewer yards. Nine went for exactly one yard. The longest run of the day was 11 yards. It was the only run in the afternoon over 10 yards. That's that's hard to believe. You talked to Day today. Uh, you met with Day. The media did. And he uh, he was asked about you know the O-line, some of the struggles run blocking. He said, quote, I don't see any of those guys, talking about the second team, I don't see any of those guys right now pushing. I'd like to see that, but I don't see them pushing on the door enough to say someone deserves 20, 30 snaps in a game just yet. He's basically saying we got to we got to come with who, who we're going to dance with who we have, right? Yeah, certainly sounds that way. And I think there's been a lot of questions about does Ohio State have the right starting five out there? But you look through five games, the backup offensive line has paid ten snaps, and so it's pretty clear they think those are the five best guys. 
But those five best guys still have a ways to go to get to where Ohio State needs them to be right now. And the reality is, you know, you're replacing three guys who were NFL draft picks last year and Paris Johnson Jr., Dewan Jones, and Luke Whipler. Those guys left some big shoes to fill. And right now, Josh Simmons, Carson Hinsman, and Josh Fryer, they're just not performing at that same level yet. And I think as well, I don't think the guards, Donovan Jackson and Matt Jones, even though they're returning starters from last year, I don't think they're playing as well as they were last year. And I think some of that has to do with the fact that they don't have Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones bookending them. They don't have Luke Whipler in the middle. Offensive line is such a cohesion position that, you know, if, if, if one link is struggling, the whole unit's going to struggle. But I think just collectively, this offensive line, particularly in the run game, they're just not getting the push. You're not seeing guys get to the second level the way you're accustomed to seeing from an Ohio State offensive line. Absolutely. Run game is 61st in the nation. A little bit of pressure on Justin Fry getting a million dollars a year. And, you know, Day Day is day will make changes. Not to say that Fry's job's in jeopardy, but defense a couple years ago, he's like, you're not getting it done. We'll get it done offensively. We'll bring someone else in. You know, not saying that's going to happen, but uh, you have to be aware of Day's tendency to do that if you're uh, working on his staff, I think. You know, so hopefully he feels some heat and they get it clicking. But, and easy to take some of those guys for granted. Paris Johnson, um, so good at what they did. Last question: Are the special teams okay? A lot of a lot of fan angst towards Parker Fleming, who is one of Ohio State's ten full time assistants. Uh, not a lot of teams have a full time special teams coach. Yeah, I think that's where a lot of the angst stems from because you figure, okay, if we're one of the only teams that has a full time special teams coordinator, we should be elite on special teams, right? And right now, Ohio State hasn't been a elite on special teams. You know, I think especially the, the punt team particularly is what struggled on Saturday if that botch snap like you mentioned on the first snap. Uh, you know, a couple of our things that didn't go great. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that I think, you know, big red flags about special teams that there's anything in that area that particularly worries me, but I certainly think there's room for growth there and like you were just saying with Justin Fry, I, I think to, to hold Parker Fleming to a standard of our special team should be elite because you're getting paid just to coordinate our special teams, that's an absolutely fair standard to hold them to. Absolutely. Quick transactions. Day on Emeka Buka. He left the game in a, left the stadium in a walking boot. Says, not going, not going to be a long-term issue. Maybe out this week, maybe not. Travion Henderson will probably be back from what we gathered today. Uh, Penn State game kickoff announced for noon on the 21st. A lot of people saw that coming. Kind of expected that, but that'll be a big nooner. Hoops Media Day is going on right now. The Bucks were picked to finish seventh in the media poll. You okay with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I have them somewhere around the middle of the pack. I, I certainly wouldn't have them any higher than that after how last year went. I don't know that I've dug into the rest of the Big Ten enough to have a great feel for where they should be ranked, but seventh seems, seventh seems reasonable. Yeah, it feels like we've talked so much about the additions of the West Coast teams on the football thoughts, but like we're gonna have to go to play on Oregon's court. Remember that thing? Yeah, I mean, like I don't want to watch those games when Ohio State's playing basketball games out there. It's just the ugliest court in America. So uh, factor that in. Coming up, three questions for the trip to Purdue. It's eleven Warriors on the fan. You're home for the Buckeyes, Blue Jackets, and crew, and our sincere apologies for common man singing Creed songs. The fan, Ohio sports destination.
And Bodie still dropping bangers. Of course, that song's uh, honoring our own Dan Hope in the studio with us tonight, D-Unit. And uh, there's something I don't like saying, but we're going to talk about Purdue. I don't. I try not to say that in my life very much, but uh, Boilers are 2-4. and four. Bucks head there this weekend. Noon game at Ross-Age Stadium. Peacock game. Our first uh, Peacock game for Buckeyes. Again, you can also listen to it right here on 97.1 The Fan. Uh, you've been there a few times, probably. Do you like it as a stadium? Uh, I've been once. Uh, the only time I've been was the the loss. Oh, that's right. The divisions, yeah. 18, yeah, I, I feel like I don't remember it that much because it was five five years ago. I remember going to the, uh, it, it sounds dirty, but it's, it's actually just a restaurant. It's called Triple uh, X. It's like a restaurant. They have, they have sure, good. Sure it is, Dan. They have, uh, <laughs> they, have, they have good burgers there. So I, I remember that being good. So hoping to get back there. Axel Rose from West Lafayette too. Guy you don't really Yeah, don't really think a guy like that would come out of West Lafayette because it's like a weird little place yeah. just off the highway. Between Indy and Chicago, um you take an exit, you got a couple of hotels and boom there's a campus. Yeah. You know, and that's it. Not a ton. No, I've been there one time myself. I think I want to say probably sixteen or something, fifteen, forty, somewhere around there. Uh Purdue was very bad. Ohio State killed him that year. Tickets for like on the fifty were dirt cheap. It was a really cool experience, but Hasn't been a cool experience recently for Ohio State. Let's start with the first question. Can the run game get cooking? Produce 13th in the Big Ten, 79th nationally in total defense. Yeah, you'd certainly hope so. I mean, it's, uh, you know, again, it's, I feel like we're, we're kind of at that point now in the season where, you know, I think I, I, I was kind of in that point of like, okay, the, the offense is for sure going to get going this week, right? And now that we're five games in, it's kind of like, and then now I'm kind of like, okay, I got to see it first. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you you would think this would be a good opportunity for uh, the offensive line and the run game to bounce back, especially with Travion Henderson coming back this week. But, you, you know, I think there's a little bit of you got to see it to believe it now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the defense will cook. I have a feeling they'll cook this weekend. I mean, in circle a game like this for them, but... uh you know, Day, he's, he's smart, he's, he's, he's conscious and thoughtful. He's, he's probably, you know, going to bed each night thinking, how do I get this run game going? How do I get this run game? Staring this game down saying, this is a pretty good opportunity to do that. And if we can't do it this weekend, we've got big problems because guess who's coming to town next week? Yeah, Penn, Penn State's defense is really good. So this is definitely a week. You, you would think that there's going to be a conscious effort to get that run game going this week, knowing that they really need to be in a better place of that a week from now. Right, and he's smart enough to know that that's only going to help his passing game. He loves passing, and he's, you know, no dummy quarterback himself in high school. He knows that if you have a good running game, opens up play action, so many different things you can do. Tight ends get more open more often. Uh, You mentioned Travion. Next question is, how much will we see him? How many snaps? Do you think he'll get 10 carries, 20 carries, 5 carries? What what do you, if you had to bet? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't go 20 carries because I don't know if we've seen a running back get 20 carries in a game this year, but I, I think we'll see him get a fairly regular workload. I'm sure Chip will be in there a good amount maybe mine gets sprinkled in but i i my feeling would be if he plays which is the assumption that they'll use him pretty normally i mean you look at marv this past week where mm-hmm. you kind of thought eh, maybe they'd you know give him a lesser workload nope he's out there the whole game and he has his best game of a season so i i think if he's healthy enough to play they'll just use him pretty normally at least until the game is in hand yeah uh Emeka, what about him he was in a boot after the game there's you know, probably uh what would you say questionable if they had NFL style? Yeah, I mean, right yeah, it, w- it would seem that way based on Ryan Day's non-answer on Tuesday. My guess would be that they sit out a mecca this week, try to get him healthy for Penn State next week. And who jumps in there, Fleming or Carnell Tate? Who takes the most advantage of that? 
What about Xavier Johnson? I think Xavier, Xavier Johnson's probably the guy who would get the start in the slot. I mean, you, you think back to last year, every time they needed Xavier to step up and play a bigger role, he right. delivered. So he's a guy that I look to to, to step up and, and take advantage of those, those okay. snaps. Let me back up. Not necessarily talking about who starts, but I'm sorry, I should rephrase it. Who, who gets some more targets? Who do, you, who do you think benefits from the targets? Does he still think X there? I mean, I think, yeah, I think he'd be one of those guys. I mean, Julian Fleming's another uh, good name to bring up because we haven't really seen him get going this year. So, you know, he, he would certainly be the number two guy after Marv if Emeka doesn't play. So he'd be a guy I look at, you know, maybe mix in Carnell Tate there a little bit more, but you know, he's mostly played on the outside. And so I would think, you know, most likely Emeka's snaps are mostly going to go to Xavier. Maybe they do some more of a two tight end stuff like we saw this past week with G Scott as well. Yep. Last question. Um, what about the Ross Aid curse? It's been a house of horrors, man. Bucks are 40, 15, and 2 in this series, but have lost three of their last, uh, lost their last three games, I should say, at Ross Aid Stadium. Uh, 49 20 in 2018, 26 23 in 2011, 26 18 in 2009. Yeah, I think they're three and five since 2000 there. So it has not been a great place for Ohio State over the past couple of decades oh. and urban got trucked right 2018 and that yeah. was the game they had the broadcast uh they were f- featuring a little little boy with cancer yeah tyler and, trent and it tyler trent it put ohio state fans in the weirdest spot because they wanted to be mad about the loss but like they knew they had to watch what they said because you're like that boy had the night of his life so most smart i'm sure there's some fans probably saying terrible things but most smart fans are like mm, sucked and you're just like kind of like all right you know one of those nights yeah, I remember most fans. There yeah. were there were, were some. There, there you go there on Twitter. Were a few, yeah. Some I mean, Twitter yeah. saying some awful stuff yeah, about that. There game. were a few, unfortunately, but yeah. I think yeah, I think for most part that was a way uh, most most people felt about it. But yeah, I mean it's it's just for, it's weird. I mean I don't know that you can pinpoint why it's a tough place. But I mean, like you said, I mean it's not like. You know, it's not like it's a super big or super loud stadium. It's not somewhere that you would think would be a super hostile environment usually there's a good amount of ohio state fans in the crowd but mm-hmm. for for whatever reason ohio state has just had had a lot of weird games there so we'll see if they can break that curse this week yeah just one win there in the last 15 years which is insane i mean again divisions have kind of made that sound like a bigger stat than it truly is they haven't been there a ton in the last 15 years but uh still i mean for a team that's owned the series to do you know to struggle so much while they're there uh bonus question do you you won't need it. You'll be in the press box. Yeah. All right. I don't have my Peacock account set up, but I got to get on that. You do got to get on that. Bodie says his mom pays for his Peacock, and he might share it. I, I think we might have a Peacock sharing arrangement set up. No, so my mom pays for YouTube TV. Uh, I use that. Oh, uh, okay. And in, in, uh, exchange, I had to pay for Peacock pay for, for last month's Central right. Michigan game for the Irish. Yeah, yep. I actually gave my, my parents my Peacock login. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping my dad will be able to figure out how to. He is not a... Uh, <laughs> You're going to be getting that phone call at about 1130. Like, hey. Yeah, I, t- I, I told him. I said, you better... I told him, you better figure it out by Friday. Friday night, because I'm gonna be a little bit busy on yeah. Saturday, so I'm, I'm hoping he can figure it out because he's not the most streaming savvy. But I did make sure that he has a Peacock account to use. But Bodie's a Notre Dame fan. You are the Peacock expert in the house. Can you rewatch the games? I know there's no no concept uh, of this, DVR, but could I go back and watch it the next day? Yeah, this is a sore subject. So uh, a month ago, or whatever, what is today? The tenth, so almost a month ago, when Notre Dame played Central Michigan on Peacock. I uh, had a friend's wedding that weekend, and so shout out to Reed and Megan, awesome people. Um, but I watched the first quarter, went to the wedding, had a buddy of mine. I asked him, "Don't tell me the score, just tell me if we're doing okay." He's like, eh, "You're not doing okay." So I had to watch the fourth quarter on my phone because I started to have chest pain when he told me that. 
went back to watch the second and third quarter. You can rewatch, but you can't skip ads. It is the Are most you? infuriating. So you're paying yes. for it. I know. I know. Continue. No, I, I, get yes, why, I get forcing you to watch ads in real time. I understand yes, that concept. That's, but if you're rewatching it after it's over, they make you watch ads? Correct. Yeah. Or at least the base package, Ooh, That's which is all. I'd blow a gasket. Yeah, no, was, I'm have trouble I honestly got through the second quarter and just stopped because Notre Dame uploads all their games on their YouTube channel. And I was like, I'll just watch this on Tuesday. They like, upload I, their full games on YouTube? Yeah. Full games on YouTube? Notre yeah. Dame does? Yeah. That's incredible. That's nice. Wow. So if you ever want to go back and rewatch, go to YouTube. But yeah, it was uh, when I went back to watch it on Peacock the next day on Sunday. I was just like, "Are you flipping kidding me? Like, Dude. what is this, man? Like, are you serious?" Like, I'm gonna be mad. Okay, thanks for the warning. I can I can properly plan for that. Uh, last one, Dan. Lines nineteen and a half. Ohio State. What's your prediction here? I'm going Ohio State thirty eight. Purdue twenty. With all the uh, weirdness in West Lafayette the uh, past uh, couple of decades, I I can't pick the cover. I'm going to go 41-13. I like the cover here. I do. I think, uh, you know, Purdue's pretty broken team at this point. They've, they've, they've suffered some losses. They've played some teams close that are decent, but like a, a one-score win against Virginia Tech, that's the highlight of their winning. You know what I mean? Come on. So 41-13, you like it a little closer. Uh, we'll tune in and see what happens on Saturday. Make sure you get your Peacock set up. Coming up, we're going to dive into the stretch run. Things get really, really interesting after Purdue. It's 11 Warriors on the fan. The 11 Warriors Radio Hour is brought to you by Atlas Butler Plumbing Services. Atlas Butler's expert plumbers can take care of anything from a clogged drain to a broken water. Oh, hour. Man, setting the tone, Bodie. Love it. Get this show fired up. Uh... 11 Warriors Radio Hour, Jason Priestess, special guest Dan Hope in the studio tonight, dropping knowledge. Uh, Purdue, we just spoke about. That's a Saturday. Nooner on Peacock. Um, Pretty unexciting combo words to go together. Nooner on Peacock. But uh, fans will tune in. I'll have to figure out my account. After Purdue, things are going to get really, really interesting. Uh, Penn State comes to town the very next week and that's a noon game on fox it's a big noon game there week after they got to go to wisconsin speaking of t- places that are hard to play or the buckeyes have had some challenges at in the past luke fickle will be a lot of energy from that obvious question i mean the obvious answer is that penn state's the much harder opponent of the two which game do you think will be closer is it obvious? I got to go Penn State just for as as good as Penn State is playing right now. I mean, I I I right now I look at the Penn State game very much the way I did going into the Notre Dame game where I view it as very much a coin flip kind of game and as it turned out that was pretty much what the Notre Dame game was. It came down to the last second. So, I'm expecting something similar from a Penn State game. I mean, home home field advantage certainly helps you. You certainly would take that arrangement over the other. I mean, you, I mean yeah. I don't think I think you're more worried about Wisconsin going on the road certainly than you would be if you had them at home. But mm-hmm. I think you'd be a lot more worried about going to Happy Valley than you do having to play Penn State Mashu. Yeah, for sure. Got lucky last year. They made it a noon game last year too at Penn State, so there was no whiteout. Um, appreciate that. Maybe that's a better question. What do you think the line for Penn State will be? Assuming Ohio State beats Purdue, yeah, it's Penn a good, State wins that's a good game. question. I mean, probably. I'd say oh, Ohio State minus four, maybe minus four. And then what about the line at Wisconsin? Probably, 
I'd probably say somewhere in the like ten and a half so. range. And of course, that has a you know, if they blow Penn that State might, out, that might be a little low. That, yeah. that might be a little bit low. I you mean, I would say somewhere below fourteen points. I would say. Uh, that seems a little. I'm a little more. I guess I'm tighter on that game. And, and obviously, that line at Wisconsin changes depending on what they do against Penn State. They Correct. blow Penn State out, like win by twenty one points or something. Maybe it's bigger. Penn State comes in and clobbers them, then, you know, maybe that line's smaller. Correct. Um, so that's fun. That's going to end October. In Ohio State, if they can get through those two, they'll be 6-0. and Or, I'm sorry, 8-0. No. Purdue will be 6, Penn State 7, Wisconsin 8. They'll be a top three team. Michigan will likely still be undefeated. Georgia doesn't play anyone will be undefeated. Uh, Penn State will fall, but maybe not too far, depending on how this goes. They have a lot of respect this year. November's kind of fun. Uh, Got to go on the road to New Jersey and play a zesty... Rutgers team who, you know, it, what I said last week on the show about uh, Maryland is even more fitting for Rutgers. They've got some dudes, but not nearly enough dudes. And, and Maryland has more dudes than Rutgers. And, but still, Shiano will have something cooking. He'll try, you know, he's going to have, there'll be a fake punt. There'll be something that'll come out, you know, and we'll see some of that. Um, so you got that. Then you got two, as far as games that come ahead of Michigan. Sparty in Columbus, Minnesota in Columbus. Like that's that's like a gift. Yeah, it's a it is a, a good ramp. Like I think when I've kind of looked at the schedule, like there's no doubt. Like the the game you circle, the toughest game on the schedule is Michigan in the Big House. I mean, mm-hmm. it is. They Ohio State's lost that game two years in a row, and I think this year's Michigan team is better than the ones that beat Ohio State the last two years. And so that's the toughest game. But when you talk about the toughest month of a schedule, it's October. If you can get through. This October gauntlet, you're going to feel pretty good about Ohio State being 11 and 0 going into the game because, I mean, you know, you said Rutgers. I mean, I, I, I mean, they've never seriously challenged no, Ohio State, no. and so I don't think this is going to be the year that changes. And then to have two home games leading up to that road test at Michigan is certainly a help, especially since neither Michigan State nor Minnesota looks like a threat right now. Not at all. And Michigan will have to play at Penn State in early November. Yeah. So, you know, that's going to be a war. And yep. uh, I, we've talked about in the Level Warriors Slack, some of the guys in there, uh, really good chance that all the, the three powers in the East beat each other at home. We wouldn't like, surprise me not, Yeah, not beyond, uh, you know, anything we could imagine. But, you know, man, I don't know. You you, you have them ranked Michigan 1, Ohio State 2, Penn State 3? Or do you I have would. Ohio State 3 right now? I, I would have Michigan 1, in the East, Ohio yeah. State 2, and Penn State 3. But it's close. I mean, I think, I mean, I would not be surprised by any of those teams emerging as the Big Ten East champ. I think they're all really good. I mean, I think, I think they might be all three of the top five teams in the country. I do too. And I think... You know, I mean, if they were playing in separate conferences, you'd be looking at a really good chance of two of those teams being in the CFP. And like you said earlier, if this is a 12 team this year, watch out. Yeah. Because they're all going to be in it and do damage. Like, yeah. you know, teams are not going to want to play these three. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, I, I mean, I, if you look at the stats right now, we talked about Ohio State's defense right now. Penn State is number one in scoring defense. Michigan is number two in scoring defense. And Ohio State is number three in scoring defense. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's, you know, you think about Ohio State in these big games and you think about the shootouts we've seen in the past. But I look at those games and, like, these are all going to be defensive wars because these are three teams that have really, really good defenses. Yeah. I mean, I think any Ohio State fan in here would take a 13 10 win over Penn State right now. Should. You say, this is what we're offering you. you yeah. Like, yeah gladly take that. Yeah, you should take, just like with Notre Dame, you should take a win by Penn State by 
one point and be thrilled about it. Yeah. Fans would probably still complain about Parker Fleming, but uh, take whatever you can at this point. In time. I see talk about Michigan's D. I agree with you. They've had their CFP team the last two years. And I agree. I think this year's team's better. And I saw a stat earlier. They've run 300 snaps on defense this year, 330 or so, 313, somewhere in that range. Uh, not one time I have had to defend a first and goal. That's no insane. one has got the ball inside their 10. Yeah, that's insane. It's nuts. Just nuts, man. Like, how do you do that? Yeah, I mean, they, they have had the advantage of not playing anybody very good so far. They've had that's an true. easy schedule to this point, so that certainly contributes to it. But their defense is legit, and I think, you know, from an offensive skill position standpoint, this is the best they've been in a long time. With J.J. McCarthy, I think their receivers have, are better than they've had the last few years, and then Corum, they've still got Blake Corum and yeah. Donovan Edwards. I, I'm not counting Edwards, man. He talk, <laughs> when he came out this summer and said he was going to revolutionize the position, he gets like three a carry to start college football? No, I'm not going to. Yeah, we I'm saw what he count. did against Ohio State last he year. He did, but that was like a tired team that kind of like, you know, the game was was getting away. But he, he's fast. He's, he's a very good talent, but uh, I've got to appropriately hate on him for all the nonsense he talked in the offseason. Coming up, Tough weekend for the unbeatens across college football with eight of them dropping. We'll roll through as we come back. It's Lemon Warriors on the fan. Chops his serial killer eyes and Reeser can grow a full beard before lunch. What can your friends do? Bishop and Friends. Weekday mornings at 9. It's the last segment of the show. You know what that means. It's time for Buck Shots. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. Had a blast as always. Want to thank Dan Hope for uh, making time. I know it's a long day for you. You were at the Woody all afternoon, writing stories, coming to the radio, listening to Notre Dame fan crying about Louisville fans. Like it's uh, it's a tough sled, man. Yeah, busy day, but there's a, there's a lot of those this time of year. Yep, we uh, I buried the lead, man. I talked about the eight unbeaten teams losing, but this is going to be all about Mario Cristobal. It has to be about Mario Cristobal. But let's get through the eight undefeated losing really quick. Maryland lost to Ohio State, Kentucky to Georgia. Texas to Oklahoma, they back? Not back. Uh, Missouri to LSU, that was a fun game. I caught bits and pieces. I don't know if you had a chance to watch any of that. I, I heard about it no, vaguely. It was the same time as the Ohio yeah. State. You were in the press Didn't box. Missouri have like a big lead? And they did. It. Squandered it. We're at home. And, uh, I mean, both teams were just trading bombs. It was fun to watch. Uh, Fresno State lost at Wyoming. I know we all had that game penciled in. Washington State lost to US, UCLA. UCLA. Uh, and Marshall, the NC State. So um, that's seven of them down, seven fewer. There are 14 left, but there's one more that lost, and we've got to spend a minute with that. Georgia Tech entered the game two and three, beat Miami at home, at Miami's home. And it's interesting because it uh, broke the internet uh, what happened at the end of the game. Uh, Miami was up. They had the ball like on the 30 or so of uh, Georgia Tech. There's, you know, 30 seconds or so, so left. Uh, instead of taking a knee, the Canes ran up the middle. The running back fumbled at the Georgia Tech 26 with 25 seconds left. Tech recovered it, went 74 yards in 24 seconds, capped by a 44-yard touchdown pass to steal a 23-20 to win in Miami Saturday night. Um, insane. Insane. And, and rightfully, Mario Cristobal, who beat Ohio State recently, came into the shoe and beat him. He's a good coach. Getting just nailed for not calling a kneel in that situation. You kneel the ball. I'm watching my son. He's 12. I'm like, he kneels. The game's over. It, that's that's it. Like, why is he running the ball? What do you, what's he thinking? 
Yeah, I mean, you, I, I, I don't know, but, you know, trying to gas up the rushing yard stats or something. I don't know, but yeah, I mean, in that situation, you have to do whatever, uh, what, whatever gives the least chance of anything going wrong, which is certainly a knee in that situation, and certainly uh, that'll go down as an all timer of a bad coaching decision. Incredible. You think he will kneel the next opportunity? I would like hope that. so. Yeah. I, I, I think I saw Vovit. A similar thing happened to him when he was at Oregon. I think it was against Stanford. There was a similar scenario where he could have kneeled out the game and he didn't. Yeah, Dan Wolken, um, I think he's with Yahoo still these days. He he dug up the play by play for all of Miami's games this year. He never kneels. He runs the ball up the middle. Like that's how he <laughs> likes to do it. I, I don't know. I can't I can't wrap my head around it. Jim Har- Yeah, Jim, that's exactly what it is. Jim Harbaugh is about as weird as it gets, but he's got a quote this year that I loved. And he said, the main duty of the head coach is to be the guardian of victory. And like that's very succinct. And this was the opposite of being the guardian of victory. Yeah, it's a very Jim Harbaugh way to phrase it, but it's true. Yeah, it absolutely is. And, and like, how disappointed would you be if you're busting your butt as a player on that team all summer, all spring, you know, winter workouts, fall camp? And your coach costs you a game. Yeah, I mean that, that could. I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that could be that. I mean that could be the difference between having a chance to make the playoff or not. Yeah, yeah. And I guess you know it's the coach and the running back that fumbled it, so there's probably some blame to go around. But like the 99 percent of the team had nothing to do right. with that loss. Right. And the situation. coach could have taken it out of the running back's yes. hands if they just took a knee. There's no chance of it going wrong. Absolutely. Fourteen unbeaten's remain. Eleven of them in the Power Five. The ACC has three. And those three are Florida State, UNC, and Louisville, who's a pretty good team, running hot right now. Uh, Big 10 has three, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. Big 12 has just one, Oklahoma. And this is kind of important, too, because if you're like a fan, Big 10 fan like we are, you're already starting to think ahead to can the league get two in again, you know? And, and one of, some things that would help was the Big 12 not having unbeaten teams. They have one left. That's important. Uh, Pac-12's got three, though. I don't think anyone had that on their bingo card. Uh, Oregon, Washington, and USC are unbeaten. USC's got to go to South Bend Saturday. How you feeling? That is the, uh, what's that old phrase? The immovable object against the unstoppable force. Well, it's basically the exact opposite of that. It is. Because Notre Dame's offense cannot score right now. USC's defense can't stop anybody ever as long as Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch are coaching them up. So What gives there? We'll see. You think the Irish win this game? I don't know. I wouldn't say yes. You know, I'm not confident that they will. I wouldn't necessarily be confident picking USC either, oddly enough. But I don't know. I guess gotten ahead. I'd trust Caleb Williams to find a way to score enough. But yeah, I mean, they they went three overtimes against uh, Air, was it Arizona Saturday. Yeah, a, a very bad Arizona team. Yeah, and that was in that wasn't like some weird desert night game where th- weird things happened. That was in the Coliseum, right? I think you're right on that. Yeah, yeah they, were, they were down they were, 17 nothing. They early. were playing like that game was, in Los Angeles. Yeah, that defense, man. Oof. And I think we just talked about that last week, right? Uh, Alex Grinch, like, him and giving God bless him, man. That man is his agent. <laughs> there are three him. Power Five fan bases that hate his guts: Ohio State, Oklahoma, and now USC. And they've all tried to warn the next guys. They're like, "Hey, you don't understand." They're like, nah, it'll be different. And like, that's not different, man. And how so. many of those? T- how many teams has he? coordinated defensively that honestly could have had a national championship winning offense right yeah, yeah. like he was here in 2018 right mm-hmm. and that offense was pretty good mm-hmm. oklahoma or i'm sorry oklahoma uh well i'm sure oklahoma yeah, probably had one some or good two teams yeah, with lincoln and even just uh usc last, last year, year and this year yeah. they have caleb williams who 
is probably going to come out as the best quarterback prospect since Luck, I would say. Since C.J. Stroud, you mean? And, yeah. <laughs> okay, all right, very good. And it's just like it doesn't matter because they can't stop anybody. No, it's absurd. No. It's fun, man. Not being a, not having him as your DC is kind of fun to watch. I always laugh whenever there's like a head coach opening and he's his name somehow ends up. Yeah. Like he must have the greatest agent ever. Yeah, like yeah. I want I want that person to represent me in life because he's obviously doing some some serious work for his client. He's Gary Pinkle's nephew. That's how he got his break. He's a Grove City guy, local guy. Uh, but yeah, those lists are hilarious because you see those and you always see like the odds to be someone's next coach. There's always like someone out there like a hundred to one. It's just like give us your money, fools. Like Urban Meyer to be the next you know Ohio Dominican coach. And everyone's like two thousand. One and it was like, oh, I might be, you know, here's 10 bucks. But uh, I don't know, man. I think I think Notre Dame's got a shot. I do. I saw the other day USC's strength of schedule is 118th right now. So they really stink on defense and they've not played any good offenses yet. And they got a lot of good teams they've coming up. They've got a lot of good teams coming up. They might yeah, have 400 the points put like on Notre the last Dame, six games. Oregon and Washington, which are probably the two best offenses I mean, yeah, out dude. there outside yeah. of themselves. Good chance to be the worst power five defense of all time. That's what I'm kind of cheering for. Uh, speaking of bad, Brian Ferentz still cooked in Iowa. Uh, Hawkeyes are somehow five and one this season, despite rolling America's worst offense on the field. They beat Purdue twenty to fourteen Saturday. You get these stats: quarterbacks for Iowa went six of twenty. You imagine what Ohio State fans would do if the quarterbacks went six of twenty? They would burn down Ohio Stadium. <laughs> uh, three of thirteen on third down. That's bad. I don't think that's as bad as this next one though. Receivers for Iowa zero receiving yards for an entire game. For an entire game, yeah, it's absurd. How do you? It's impossible to do that. Yeah, I, 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 someone was joking to me like it was it was the first time that's ever happened in Iowa, and somebody said they must have gone back and fixed field scorebooks, considering yeah. the way things have been recently under under Kirk and Son. Yeah, it's all you're right. It almost seems like it's happened before there. Uh, Brian is, of course, the head coach's son. He signed a contract saying he needs to average 25 points a game to keep his job. He also needs his win total, which is going to hit that. But he's 25 points a game. He's allowed to get defense and special team scores, which I think is unfair. Uh, he's at 21.83 right now. Needs 28.17 the rest of the way. Uh, at Wisconsin, coming up next, Minnesota, Northwestern, Rutgers, Illinois, all at home. I don't help him. At Nebraska, I don't think he's going to get it. Do you? I don't think so either, unless he gets a bowl game against Alex Grinch and USC. Is this a regular season thing? Because that would certainly help. I'm not sure. I'm not sure on that. Yeah, that would certainly help. Uh, I mean, Wisconsin's going to shut them down. Minnesota, they might get some points. Northwestern, they might. Rutgers will probably shut them down. Illinois will probably shut them down. I mean, they might win those games, but they're not going to put points on those two. Yeah, don't don't underestimate how bad Brian Ferentz's offense is. Oh, it's incredible. I want his job someday. Hey, thanks for joining us. Uh, had a blast tonight. I want to thank Dan Hope again for joining us on the show. As always, be good to each other. Take care of each other. Good night. Want to know anything about the fans' contests? How to win? What's up for grabs? Check out 971thefan.com. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. Broadcasting from the Lindsay Honda Studios. Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com. WBNSFM, HD1 Columbus.